This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Sort of using this fan, which looks freaking amazing, by the way, because the amount of air it gave him when he turned it on is so much better than those crappy little plastic ones we buy during the summer, trying to keep ourselves cool. Really, yeah, so. definitely. It's, it's like it's virtually blowing his skin clean off his face. Isn't you can it? almost <laughs> like get that like sound of like lips going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Sai, and joining me as always is my partner in time, the incredibly creative, incredibly clever, if I'm lying I'm dying, Mr Benny Mac. How are we doing, sir? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Not, I thought I was going very well, thank you, by the way, before we go any further, but the fact you said partner in time, I was like smiling, and when you said if I'm lying I'm dying, I was smiling even more then, mate, so yeah, I'm very well, Sai, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate, not too bad. A little bit of context for everyone uh, listening along today, and for, for you as well, Benny, I suppose. I'm not explaining this to you yet. Um, we're, I'm currently in the middle of a big move around in my house. My Two of my youngest daughters have got new be- new beds that are big flat pack efforts. Um, their whole room is being stripped back and put back together again. So if you hear any random bangs or funny noises whilst they're recording, it isn't any little ghosties or anything <laughs> like that going on. It's just where my wife is busy working away in the, in the room next to us. Hopefully we will be okay, Benny. <laughs> no problem. Making excuses already before we even started, really, <laughs> is what you get. Yeah, that's it. right, mate. If I can't be professional, I'll be apologetic. There we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you say about ghost bumps and stuff, man. I've been watching some ghost adventures recently, actually, So because uh, I haven't watched it for a long time. And although uh, okay. whether I believe all of it is one thing, but some of it's creepy as. <laughs> so when you hear bumps in the night, you're like, what the hell's going on? Oh, it's just the cat jumping off the toilet seat, you knob. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then so then so then we are motoring through um season one of quantum leap here we are coming here to episode six of season one which is double identity 
um, set in Brooklyn, New York, in November of 1965, um, to the backdrop of the big blackout of 1965 that they had there. Uh, Benny, what were your um, your first thoughts on the episode then, looking back? Well, very quickly, the blackout thing. Do you know what? As I was uh, watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this hairdryer nonsense. And yeah. then I was like, oh, I wonder <laughs> if this is an actual event that happened. And I obviously, I had to Google it. And it was actually the Northeast blackout in 1965. Um, it wasn't yes. caused by a hairdryer, as the episode depicts. But, uh, you know, it's a little another little kiss with history that I wasn't, actually um i wasn't actually aware of sorry to be honest um so i i googled it and looked it up and it was like something like eight hundred eighty thousand square miles and for about 13 hours a lot of people were without power um, yeah, yeah so right, yeah. you know i again i didn't know this was an actual um an actual event uh in you know so i know we, we talked about kiss with histories before but i wasn't aware of this so i was like oh, oh i'm just gonna google it quickly i was like oh my god it's a real event <laughs> what the hell See, so you know there's two things from this episode that I could really remember back uh, before I pressed play this this afternoon, before I watched the episode back before speaking with you, Benny. And one was the um, character of Teresa constantly saying, if I'm lying, I'm dying. That, that really <laughs> yeah. just stuck in my mind. And the second one was actually the blackout because it was one of those moments that reflects upon a real timeline, a real moment, a, a kiss of history, a, a, as you were it, Benny. So those are the two things that really stood out to me with this episode before I press play. But so much more came back as I was watching. And my, my general feeling of this episode is it, it, it's bloody great. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I will admit I was a little bit underwhelmed with it, actually. I remember it being good, but that might be the problem. You know, do you know what I mean? So you yeah. have that heightened thing of this is going to be good. Not it's not a bad episode by any stretch. I it's just not as good as I remember it being. <laughs> I don't know why, but again, it's like I've built it up in my head before we watched it. I think that it was going to be really good. Um, so it's it's not definitely not a um episode that sucks, but it's uh, one that in my, at least in my head was this is going to be awesome. Oh, it's an okay, you know. So um, mm. yeah, but yeah, the things that in my head were um, Al being hot in the imaging chamber and i remember him having that fan um, yes and it was quite funny to see and um then also like obviously the sort of situation i always remember this the situation where sam leaps in is a bit like oh okay <laughs> this is a bit awkward um and then the hairdryer which i've already mentioned i always remember the hairdryer i couldn't remember what they did with the hairdryer but i remember it causing some sort of electrical out and i forgot it was the actual like eastern side of like i think it was like new york canada or parts of sort of like the uh niagara falls area in new york i think mm -hmm. was the actual power going out so um yeah i don't other than that i remember and obviously valare i've got to mention that quickly because he's literally <laughs> thrown into this character and he's got to sing in italian as well and to try and speak italian as well um which i was thought was quite funny because of all the things sam knows he doesn't know how to speak italian Yes, definitely. I mean, it's funny as well. You mentioned about the hairdryer, which we'll get to when we sort of run through the rough plot of the episode shortly. But I can remember the blackout aspect of the episode again because it's it's a reflection upon a real moment in in real history. The hairdryer, I didn't remember. So it's funny how I can sort of remember one part and not the other. And also, it, it's funny to me that, and, and this goes for you and me, I think, Benny. What we're noticing 
over these last six episodes that we've looked at already is that how we remember them is directly affecting how we enjoy them during our watchback. There are certain episodes where I've sort of looked at and thought, uh, okay, that, that episode may be a bit, a bit meh for want of a better term. Yeah. And I've enjoyed it more. And then there's other episodes where I've looked at it and thought, I remember that being great and watched it back. And it's maybe built up too much in my own head. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Well, no, the only way I can put it really is like, I mean, I very, well, I was before COVID very much an avid cinema go. I have a membership to a cinema and everything like that. So I go quite a lot and somebody would say to you, um, Oh, you got to go see this film. It's absolutely amazing. You go, okay, cool. So you see it and you go, I didn't dislike it, but it was okay. And then somebody says, don't mm. go and see that or never watch that. Or I, I was not impressed with this film. It was absolutely awful. And you go, and then somehow you end up seeing it maybe at the cinema for some strange reason, or you see it years later on TV and you go, it's all right. It's not as bad as that that person made it out to be. So expectations are definitely probably a burden in this case, really, because <laughs> we're remembering them, as you said. And um, I was looking forward to this. So I'm definitely looking forward to uh, future episodes, but I'm just hoping I, because again, I didn't dislike this episode, but it was very much not as good, at least in my mind, as it was when we started talking about doing this and thinking about it. And like, especially season one, I was like, oh, I love that one, love that one, love that one, and love that one. Do you know what I mean? So as you said, expectations are <laughs> maybe the curse of the rewatch. <laughs> I think this is why it's really important and also very interesting that at the end of each episode of of the waiting room, at the end of each episode that we record, we try to have a very brief discussion of, okay, next week it's such and such. What are your thoughts on this before watching it back? And I, th- I think <clears> it's going to be quite interesting um, when the episodes are dropping and when the episodes are available to everyone listening, uh, listening along back with us, yeah, hearing our thoughts at the end of, say, last week's episode about this show we've now watched and how they compare back having watched it again i guess yeah i mean in terms of the episodes obviously we're doing each episode one leap at a time and everything as you've already said in previous episodes but i think we might do because there's nine episodes we're on episode six at the moment so we will do an extra episode i think sort of like an overview of what we thought and also i've been making notes as well so i of our current scores and i'm obviously we we remember them but uh, to a degree but we're not by the end of the season we're not going to remember what we've uh said so it's going to be interesting uh-huh. to see what my favorite episode was and what your favorite episode was based on the scores so yeah yeah sort of like a a, a review of season one in general having watched it back i guess yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. great stuff so like a bonus episode at the end of the season basically so look out for that yeah definitely um Okay, as I said, Sam leaps into a mafia hitman named Frankie La Palma, I believe is how you pronounce his surname. <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Brooklyn, New York, it's November the 8th, 1965. Um, when we first see Sam, he has leapt into Frankie, who has, shall we say, just finished doing the deed potentially he's led on his he's led on his back um and it's the first sighting we have of the other main character in the, in this episode uh teresa who is effectively the love interest i guess um and she she tells frankie that he has been terrific um and so on <laughs> uh, and we basically get the gist of the whole episode uh is Frankie is having an affair with Teresa. Teresa is also involved with a gentleman called Gino, who is effectively the godfather. He is the mafia don um, yeah. of this of this time. Um, the issue there is, though, 
we don't actually find out why Sam is here until the very, very end of the episode again, which is something that's happened a couple of times already on our watchback. But on this episode, it didn't bother me as much because you had the underlying story of Ziggy, Al and everyone else in the future having a plan to try and get Sam back, yeah, trying the, to retrieve him. Yeah, so this... the fact that we didn't know what Sam's actual task was, the, the, the purpose of Sam being in 1965 was, we still had another story there, which was enough for me to kind of gloss over that fact, Benny. I will admit, actually, in the terms of uh, remembering what happened, as you said, um, I actually forgot they were trying to retrieve Sam in this episode. So, yeah, it didn't bother me too much, like you said. I'm going to agree with you that we didn't really know. I mean, I'm curious to why he's there, because to be honest, yeah. I couldn't actually remember, to be totally honest with you. Um, but um, yeah, we think is, oh, they're trying to, they have to recreate certain events, don't they? But uh, to get him home. So the main gist of it is they're trying to get Sam home. And uh, the reason Al's all hot and sweaty in the imaging chamber in the desert in the future, which is funny to see when they're in a, because even Sam references it to it, doesn't he? Why, why are you so hot? It's cold in here. He goes, well, I'm not here, am I? You know, we always get a little yeah. nugget of like reminding us that you're not, Al is not there. He's a hologram. So um, yeah, it was just a bit, again, I'm not bothered by, I wasn't too bothered by it. I couldn't remember either. I think it was about halfway through. I remembered why he was there in the end. Um, but um, yeah, it didn't bother me too much. And it was just funny to see Al, sort of using this fan, which looks freaking amazing, by the way, because the amount of air it gave him when he turned it on is so much better than those crappy little plastic ones we buy during the summer trying to keep ourselves cool, really. Yeah, so. definitely. It's, it's like it's virtually blowing his skin clean off his face, isn't it? You can it? almost <laughs> like, get that like sound of like lips going... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like almost Clarkson-esque in Top Gear when he drives that Atom for the first time and his face was going, <laughs> which you can't yeah. see on podcast, I know, but it's just like, you know, it was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, obviously, to switch that very quickly later on, it's nighttime in the desert and he's completely wrapped up, which is even more hilarious, to be honest. Yeah, so. with that big woolly hat and the big jacket <laughs> and everything, isn't it? Yeah. I thought he walked into a Russian film or something. Ah, <laughs> <when> he... <laughs> oh. um, Sam he's very happy with his appearance in this episode, isn't he? He's very confident in Frankie's skin, shall we say. Um, Frankie is a attractive uh, a young man. All the ladies seem very keen on him. And Sam doesn't mind this one bit, I think, throughout this episode, Benny. Yeah, he's uh, very much like... He, he, the funny thing is, he see, does, he, does he reference himself as a killer before he knows that... He, uh, he's leapt into essentially a hitman in the mafia. <laughs> or... Yeah, but at the very beginning, he's he's we're getting the mirror image viewpoint, aren't yeah. we? We're getting the Sam uh, seeing his his reflection as Frankie for the first time, and he's smiling at himself and saying, "Well, this is what you should look like in a tux." And then he points <laughs> a pretend gun with his fingers and you know says, "You killer" or something like that, and with a little cheesy smile on his face. And then it turns out he actually is a killer. He's a hitman, yeah. and he doesn't feel very comfortable about that part. He's quite. I find Sam fairly not just. I mean, leaping in into the moment of uh, euphoria, shall we say? Um, he has obviously missed all that, but like it's very uncomfortable for him. And then now he's he's very uncomfortable with being someone. Well, a hitman, isn't he? He's very. You can. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more nerves about Sam, at least in the beginning of this episode, and actually throughout. You see, I find him to be a bit more nervous in this leap because of the occupation of the person he's leapt into. Yeah, and I think there's a few a few moments as well throughout the episode that 
I can understand why that would be. I mean, the big thing, obviously, is that, that you know, the, these are Italian-Americans. Um, they speak Italian. A great deal of them do anyway. There's one or two that do not. And they're sort of chastised in the episode by some of the elders of the family for not having fluent Italian. Yeah. But Sam's, um, I suppose, inhabitant, the person that Sam has leapt into, Frankie, he can speak Italian and he can sing in Italian and he can do all this wonderful stuff <laughs> that obviously Sam cannot do. And I think that to me would be quite nerve-wracking being up in one of the early scenes is as you mentioned benny he has to speak to somebody in italian he's got no clue and then he's volunteered by his brother to stand up in at, at this wedding where he's arrived uh, and and sing this song in italian to all these italian people yeah very, uh yeah and <laughs> they all because they all make out that frankie or they say frankie can sing it better than anybody so they're expecting it to be really good and then not only can sam not speak italian he can't remember the words for the song and probably for one of the, the few times, because I Al generally it takes him maybe it seems sometimes it varies, doesn't it, with Al whether he turns up at the right moment. But in this particular case, he turns up fairly quickly, and uh, Al is actually you know Calavici. He is Italian, so he can speak Italian. So he basically repeats the song to uh, Sam, basically, um, and he gets really into it towards the end. Doesn't <laughs> he? Well, it's funny how that happens because the Don Gino, um, the reason Don Gino is uh miffed i think about Teresa is because i think they're like is it used to be his mistress even though don uh, gino is married i think Teresa used to be his mistress or he wants her to be his mistress i'm not sure he definitely wants her uh, whether they were previous lovers i don't know um yeah i think that is the case benny because at one stage quite early on gino and Teresa have, have an interaction where gino tells her um we're not well He's obviously trying to say we're not through until I say so, but it comes across as not true until I say so because of the accents and so on. Um, so obviously there is <laughs> some former relationship there. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely. But Teresa's very much like, this is the Don. I mean, there's a bit where they're playing, I think it's bowls or something. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, what do they call it? Like um, shuffleboard maybe? I don't know. I think it's bowls actually. Um, but uh, the guy, the fella in the wheelchair, which is... Uh, Tony La Palma, which is Frankie's father in the wheelchair, took a bullet for Don. Some, you find this out later in the episode uh, for Don, for the Don. And that's why he was like, they sort of get on. Um, but it's supposed to be um, Tony's point. But Don, because everybody's scared of the Don, nobody will say that. But Teresa comes over. Not only do we get to see her bloomers <laughs> in this scene, um, <laughs> She's very much. She's very much a flirt, and she doesn't care that he's a don. He's just a human being to her, even though he is dangerous. She's like, who's bowling smooth? I think, and it's Tony, and he mm -hmm. wins a point. And even to the point where Don gets annoyed by it. So they, but they're betting on it, aren't they? Basically, so the Don loses money because nobody else. Teresa's the only one that seems to stand up to him. Basically, yeah, rightly yeah, or wrongly, got, I don't know, but <laughs> for her own safety, maybe not. Shouldn't do it, but you know. Yeah, that's a funny one, actually. Now, now you point that out because. There are moments where she's very defiant. There are moments where Teresa is very, I suppose that there is no <clears throat> sign of, of fear or intimidation there. And she doesn't have an issue standing up to, to Gino. But then there are other moments in the episode when she's quite visibly shaken and quite visibly scared of this, this very dangerous man, this very dangerous individual. Yeah, I think in terms of the uh, interaction at the wedding, it's in front of a lot of people. So we can't exactly either, I don't know whether, like, 
I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he's very seems like a bloke that would very much wouldn't have a problem with hitting a woman. I feel, mm. um, or and so he can't really do that in front of others because although he is the don, I think there are certain no nos, obviously. Um, and obviously, if he was going to use a mob term, whacker, <laughs> then he's not going <laughs> to do it at a wedding, is it? Is he? Because uh, the daughter is it the it's his daughter's wedding, isn't it? They're at at the beginning because he's marrying one of the. Um, La Palma brothers, which is one of Frankie's brothers, marrying into the Don's family, so they can sort of link the families together. It's like mm-hmm. a weird, bloody <laughs> betrothed medieval, like someone from England marrying a prince of Fr- France or something like to marry to get the kingdoms yeah. together. You know, <laughs> it's it, well, then I suppose it's something they did, I guess, at one point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So all uniting the families and so on. Um, a big issue I have with this episode, and I'm not saying it's an issue as in it's a bad thing, I guess, but I suppose there are aspects to it that are a little bit sort of, it hasn't aged well, shall we say. The the Italian mafia mobster kind of stereotypes. Um, it, is it, does very, it, is very it is very stereotypical of yeah, what you'd expect incredible. from a gangster film or TV uh, impersonation of a gangster mm-hmm. film, maybe, I guess. Yeah, the accents, the terminology, and so on. It's very much, I suppose, for want of a better term, it's very much colouring by 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 numbers. I guess that they're ticking all the mafia boxes yeah. that you would assume would be needed to be ticked. Very sort of straightforward, simple imitation of what you'd imagine would be that scenario. Um, with regards to that, though, there is. Uh, quite a cheesiness to it as well i think but it's not it's not it's not to the point where it gets offensive but at the same time it is very 80s i find it yeah i even the gangster stuff i would say like you said stereotypical um it has a little bit of cheese in it it's a bit cheesy in places but i think they've got a good balance actually of cheese and like comedy relief in it as well to a degree mm. um especially the scene where uh, the South now Teresa is a hairdresser. This is the what was this the sixties? Yeah, nineteen sixty five. Um, so men, especially in Brooklyn, were not getting their haircuts by women. They went to barbers, and men would do men, and women would do women. Um, Sam walks into the salon, asks for a haircut, basically, and then realizes once he sat down, oh, I probably shouldn't. This obviously it draws a lot of attention uh, to him. So um, very of its time, I guess. But in that particular moment, although quite intimidating when it all how it all pans out but it's quite funny at the same time as well watching him being threatened yeah. with hair clips in his hair having his hair cut like <laughs> by don who which we'll get into in a second but just that sort of picture if you just see that picture of him holding that razor to sam's uh, neck and hair clips in his hair fake you know f- um shaving cream on his face and stuff is i don't know i find it quite funny because it's quite cheesy looking at him threatening with this tiny little razor. Because it's a women's salon, it doesn't have the bare um, razor like you'd imagine in the 60s. Yes. Like with the, the the straight razor. It was actually off a like a razor you'd probably do like, I don't know, legs I guess with or armpits. Um, so he, he takes the little razor out of it. So it's almost like he's got a Stanley knife knife uh, blade to his neck. So it's quite mm-hmm. funny with him trying to hold this little blade to Sam's neck. Um Obviously, Al turns up and has to translate Italian, and then you've got Al saying the Italian and Sam trying to repeat it, which is quite funny in itself. Yeah, I mean, that whole scene, I think, is, is brilliantly done. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll run through it very quickly now, I guess. You basically got the scenario of 
Gino knows that Teresa is messing around with a, another chap, and she's got she's got a boyfriend or, or a partner. Um, Gino doesn't like this, and there's constant references to uh, if you're, you know, Teresa says herself, any male over the age of fourteen looks at me, you'll kill them or you'll hit them or something like this. Yeah. So that's the sort of the, the sort of feeling surrounding um, anyone who's involved with Teresa. They're trying to find out, they being the, the, the mobsters around Gino, trying to find out who this individual is that Teresa is messing around with, for want of a better term. Yeah. Obviously, one, it's, it's actually one of them, Frankie. Um, he is... He, Sam, as Frankie, as Benny said, goes into the salon, sits down to basically have a chat and a bit of a flirt with her. Um Frankie's father and brothers are on the outside when Gino arrives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fantastic timing there. And um, basically, Frankie's father explains he's in there getting his hair cut because he's trying to find out information about who it is that's sleeping with Teresa. Yeah. Gino says, okay, no problem. I'll go in and ask him the same question. If he doesn't give me the same, the same explanation that it was Frankie's dad's idea, then he'll kill him. So they're trying to signal through the window, uh, sort of hand gestures that, <laughs> to what Sam needs to say. Gino says, I've got a question you have to answer truthfully, you'll live. And then, of course, he asks the question in Italian, Italian which yeah. doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is, it is quite sinister. It is quite... I, I, it is quite a, a moment that explains that the fear that people have of this Gino character. But you're right, yeah. Benny, you're spot on. There is that element of humour to it as well. It's the bit where, um, so Al turns up and starts translating for Sam and he starts replying to Gino in Italian so they can have this conversation. Sam at this point has no idea what actually Gino's saying and Al is just feeding him the lines. And then uh, there's one bit where he says like, um, I'm here to talk. It was my father's idea. And he's like, he says, prove, he says, prove it to me. But in Italian, it's like, prove me. And then. Sam says prove me back and it's just the way he says it it, made, it did make me yeah. laugh prove me like he's like what and I was like don't repeat what he says repeat what I say and it's just <laughs> yeah. and then there's a point where it's going well it's going really well and then all of a sudden Al says the next line in Italian but then he goes on a massive rant in Italian and Sam's like looking around and what I do like about this which you probably did notice was every time Sam looks over at Al trying to like like say stop talking you're going too fast I need to go back to the beginning and do one line at a time in Italian for me Don Gino's behind him obviously with his razor to his neck and every now and again you see Don Gino looking over to the to the way Sam's looking and he keeps like looking under things over things like what the hell is this dude looking at yeah (laughs) it's very very well acted I'm not gonna lie I would actually say it's probably my favorite scene in the entire episode to be totally honest um it has a bit of it's got the threat um but it's also got that sort of comedy-esque to it as well and it's it's um it amps up the uh obviously the tension but at the same time it's kind of relieving the tension at the same time yeah so it gives you the sense of right this guy is dangerous um but luckily they've muddled through and got through this moment and it's quite funny um in that sense but uh it does amp up that this character is very much not to be messed with yeah yeah exactly and and the, the moment as well right at the beginning of that where gino asks for a razor to effectively um intimidate and question frankie um with the accents as well he goes 
give me Eraser, Teresa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Sam and Teresa respond, Eraser. So you have, <laughs> I want Eraser, Teresa, Eraser. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but that, that, that made me giggle. That tickled um, <laughs> It's good. As they leave the salon as well, um, Sam with his brothers and, well, sorry, Frankie's brothers and Frankie's father, the brothers are saying how his hair actually does look quite good. It's a better cut than you get at Angelo's dad. Uh, to which he responds, you don't get your throat cut, Angelo's. And they all stop and look at him. And he was like, well, OK, that time fair was enough. business. Yeah, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> that, that made me laugh a lot. I really enjoyed that. I found um, it a bit awkward when Sam calls, obviously it's Frankie's dad, and he calls him Papa. But the way he says it, I find it a bit creepy. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> OK, yeah, no, Papa. <laughs> it's like he's emphasis on Papa. I don't know why. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, okay. It doesn't quite fit. I, I suppose the other characters are talking that way for the whole episode. So when Sam throws in those little little bits here and there, it does kind of seem a bit off, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, it's only over oh, this watch through. I never, I don't think I picked up on it before, but it it's just the way he says "papa." It's got like, extra air in his mouth or something. I don't really know what it is, but it just seemed a bit creepy when he said it. <laughs> or he, no. it's not actually his father, obviously. So he maybe it was trying to emphasize that. Sam feels awkward saying it to another man that isn't his father, maybe. Yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. Um, from there, we basically have Al giving Sam some very specific instructions as to what he has to do. This is to, weird. I'm not going to yeah, lie. This is very weird. To sort of fulfil um, the the plan to try and retrieve him, to try and bring him back to his own his own time, back to the yeah. future, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I think that was a trope, wasn't it? You said Back to the Future, hang on. There you go, that was a trope. (laughs) (laughs) Those instructions include having a hairdryer plugged in in a certain part of town at a certain time, and then shortly after this, Sam needs to be in the same position with the same people as when he leapt in to (laughs) enable Ziggy to try and make him leap out and retrieve him back to his, his normal time. Um... That obviously means getting Teresa back into the original room Sam leapt into, which was <laughs> the Mafia Don's attic where they were fooling around. <laughs> I think they were doing more than fooling around. We both know they were doing more than that. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so. that, I mean that. In it, I mean, plug in a hairdryer in somewhere. Okay, I can. Okay, if Ziggy wants to make sure they have to do all these specific things, as Sai's already said. So I get that. But like. It's not so much that it's trying to convince. Not that he spent much time convincing Teresa. In fairness, because she played the obviously it's the sixties, played the whole destiny and everything line. But um, trying to not only meet up with him, but let's also let's go to Don Gino's house and do it in his attic. Like, how do you even like? <laughs> I mean, at, at the time when it first happened, when he leapt in, they were already there at a wedding, so they snuck off somewhere. But to specific, specifically go to his house and sneak in and essentially fool around in the attic. I mean, how are you? I mean, he does convince her, obviously, but like, it's like, what the hell? Yeah, he convinces her by try, by basically explaining <laughs> that that was where she was the most terrific in comparison to other areas oh, they've God. hooked up. <laughs> yeah, it's so freaking. It's, I'm not going to lie. That is probably is quite cringe. I'm not going to lie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, we very quickly get to that scene effectively sam is in the attic um waiting for the 
opportune moment to leap out, I guess. Um, his brothers, or Frankie's brothers, sorry, have been sent over to the other side of town and plug in this hairdryer. And that's when all the electrics go a bit crazy, all the lights start going. There's um, fireworks and sparks coming off telephone poles. And I got real big Back to the Future vibes from that <laughs> scene. Because of obviously Back to the oh, Future yeah. set in the in the fifties as opposed to the sixties, I guess. Yes, yeah. But that that street looked very much like it. The cars down parks down the side of the road looked like it. The telephone pylons fizzing and cracking with, with electricity looked very much like the end of Back to the Future when he has to drive down the road yeah, to, to travel back. I got big Back to the Future vibes from that, just that one scene, Benny. Do you know what? Now that you've said it, I can understand where you're coming from. Um the like you said, the the sparks and everything going on. So it's like the DeLoreans driving through, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that before. So, yeah, no, I understand. I can see why you would, um, you know, link it in to, or at least it, it reminds you of uh, Back to the Future. So, yeah, didn't think of that before. Uh, it does. Obviously, it does help with the... The, the the motor vehicles of that time being on display in Back to the Future and in this episode of Quantum Leap, the clothing the people are wearing, it's all yeah. very much... Okay, there's a decade that has passed, in theory, from uh, Marty McFly and Sam Beckett arriving in, in the past, but the, the, it, it's very similar sort of vibe, I guess. I suppose the styles are would be would be changing at that point in history so but there you know as much as things change some things stay the same so they mm-hmm. it does it takes a while doesn't it for it to yes styles come in and you know go in and out and everything and you get like a phase or a you know a, a moment of something that's really popular but generally things stay the same and i suppose motor vehicles would start to change in the next so 65 so i would say in the next sort of like five years cars are going to start changing a lot aren't they from what mm-hmm. they so but yeah but from that period from the like late 50s into that sort of mid 60s essentially uh, th- there would still be because all, it, it, as you know as things come out a new th- a new item comes out a new product is very expensive so the older stuff becomes not obsolete but it becomes cheaper because the market isn't there anymore because they want the newer thing so people that i mean this is this street actually you're mentioning is um like fraternity row isn't it it's a load of, it's a student houses frat houses isn't it so the likelihood of the cars being handed down to the uni students college students would actually make sense to me at least anyway yeah no i think you make a good point yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense um when this is going on we cut brilliantly and i thought this scene added a lot to it we cut to two fellas sat in i suppose what's a power station a power plant um and i think it's supposed at... to be the because where it happened the actual shortage was at the hydro dam because i read up on oh, it okay. earlier so i'm guessing that's what it's supposed to be because obviously we're it's based on a real event that happened it just turns out instead of what actually happened they're using the hairdryer is short-circuited all this power and shut things down so the hydro plant can't handle the water or something like that to what makes the the electricity obviously so yeah it would be the hydro plant i would assume anyway yeah and, and you see they're losing certain areas bit by bit. And then you get, um, I, I suppose, stock footage of uh, towns and cities being plunged into darkness, all because of Sam and his pesky hairdryer. We, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit weird, isn't it? I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> in the attic, back at Gino's place. <laughs> yes, they've snuck, G- yes, they've managed to sneak in and they're doing it while well, they're starting to do the uh, fooling around. <laughs> exactly. Gino arrives. 
again fantastic timing from this fella he um he arrives and naturally a fight ensues between frankie and gino um and whilst this is happening sam leaps and i'll be honest with you i totally forgot that there was this little i suppose additional extra leap on the end of this episode even though the episode's called double identity yeah (laughs) okay that i did remember (laughs) that i did remember Sai, because i i've not that i forgot it i've I th- I feel like when I'm watching through this episode, I feel like there's something missing from it, like a scene, but obviously there's not. But it's just like I felt I don't know what it was. It just when I got to this point, I was like, oh, this came a bit quicker than I thought. You know, this particular scene with the um, so they get into a struggle, as I said, and then um, basically uh, Sam leaps, and then it turns out he's leapt from Frankie to uh, Don Gino, <laughs> which is a bit awkward to say the least, because Don Gino was the one holding the gun at one point. Yes, yeah, exactly. What, um, I, what I did like about this very briefly was the fact that we got to see a leap happen from Sam from one character to another, and when the character leaps in back into its their original body, um, they are like, I mean, Frankie still thinks it's the day of when Sam leapt in, so we get to see what the person's like. I mean, Teresa puts it down to uh, concussion, but like we get to see that actually, and they even see the lightning, which I never picked up on before. She mentions the lightning. I never mm. picked up on that before. Um, but I quite like seeing the fact what we, so we, when we see Sam leap in, he obviously doesn't know where he is, what he's doing or who he is, but we get to see the person return, the occupant return back to their rightful body and be like, what the hell's going on? So they're a bit like Swiss cheese as well, I guess. Yeah. I mean, do you think that in his mind, he, he's effectively lost a day, hasn't he? He thinks they're still at the wedding, the yeah. Day, the wedding yeah. yeah. But do you think maybe that's because when Frankie leapt out or when Frankie swapped places with Sam, he was in the attic with his trousers around his ankles. <laughs> and, and now when he arrives back, he's in the attic with his trousers around his ankles. So to him, it might seem like it's he's blacked the same out for a, like because... he's, yeah he's like blacked out for a second and it's nighttime yeah. like what the hell's gone on yeah in that particular does he have his trousers on his ankles or do they get that far I don't remember but I, I don't know but I'm, they're I'm in the not. same sort they're <laughs> they're in the same sort of position aren't they um, mm. we get to see a bit of Frankie as well which is a sense of like he's like begging John Gino for his life because Sam's now in the Don and you see I, I, I expected Frankie to be a bit more assertive i think but then maybe that's because we see we only ever see him as sam don't we going through the episode he's actually a bit more like obviously it's the don but he's like cowering down like no we didn't mean anything by it like you know he's really like starting to sort of plead for his life because obviously that again proves how much of a dangerous person don gino is really yeah and he stood right over them with a gun oh well yeah and that yeah (laughs) you know it's (laughs) um yeah i imagine if if somebody uh, if Sam leapt into someone and then when he leaps out, they swap places again, they're not going to be in, other than this episode, they're not going to be in exactly the same spot in the same scenario with the same people, are they? No. So I imagine it would be a different a different mindset for them leaping back in, I would assume. But you know what? As, I'm th- as we're sort of speculating on this now, I've just had a thought, like, imagine these, so you th- you wake up somewhere and you don't know where you are and you have a vague recollection of it. Um, any, and some people might remember more than others. So do they? So these people that do remember swapping bodies with Sam, that they don't realise they've done that because they lose part of the memory when they leap back. Do they think they've been abducted by aliens? Because <laughs> do you know what I mean? With the light, bright light of lightning swapping, <laughs> it's perhaps quite... that's what it, what it is. Maybe well, so. You see in um, you see in some future episodes, don't you? It's very rare you get to see 
what goes on in Sam's own time, to be honest. With the amount yeah, of episodes of Quantum Leap there are, the ratio to the amount of moments in the future is quite low. But you don't tend to have much uh, background as to what goes on in the future. They, I think they just get left in the waiting room, don't they? Yeah, we, sometimes you hear Al talking about, oh, they're, they're in shock or they are, you know, also, I know I know in, in a future episode, they Sam says to Al, can you go and speak to this person? And then basically Al comes back and says, yes, they remember doing this and they said they did this, this and this or whatever so they could do, so Sam could do something. Because obviously, okay. obviously you can get archive information, newspapers, especially when it comes to episodes where a character in the original history may have passed away. Nine times out of ten, there's going to be a police report, there's going to be a coroner's report. Um, at best, at worst maybe, I suppose, you're going to have like a newspaper clip in that says what happened in these events, what they think happened. So the, the National Archive, they can access. But when it comes to personal things, like, I don't know, like a safe code for argument's sake, that's not going to be on record, is it? Mm. So I'm not. I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that happens, but I have a vague recollection at some point down the line that Sam asks Al to ask, to ask the character he's leapt into to give them a piece of information that only he would know. Because okay. do you know? I mean, I'm maybe misremembering, yeah. but that would make sense to me. Yeah, no, that, 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 that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we we basically have Sam as Gino now, and Gino or Sam, sorry, says, "Okay, I finally figured out what I'm here to do." And he asks Frankie if if he loves Teresa and vice versa. They both eventually say yes, despite being a little concerned about admitting this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Frankie then, sorry, Gino, uh, Sam as Gino then says, okay, well, you can be together with my blessing, uh, thinking that he's here to to bring these two uh, love-struck people together. That's that's his purpose of being in 1965. Yeah. But he's concerned that when he leaps out, G- the old Gino leaps in, he needs to make it so that it can't be reversed when Sam has left. Yeah. Like, so they so, travel to yeah, find yeah. the vicar, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. To, uh, well, yeah, they go to a local church where, um, it's actually mentioned earlier on the episode where Sam, uh, when he's in Frankie, the, one of the brothers, I don't know, it's the father, I think says, can you go to bingo on a Sunday and draw some numbers because your grandma thinks he's lucky or something like that. Mm. So now they go to this church and he's in Don Chir. She's never won, has she? She's, she's never won. That's the years she and won, never won. She's I, won, I'd won. on the head left, to be honest. Yeah, I think she wins once, but it was when he was doing the numbers. So she thinks he's lucky, okay. I think. That's the whole gist of it. Um, but like, in terms of just going back quickly, the bit in the, in the, in the uh, attic when Sam's let from Frankie to Don Chino, <laughs> looking at it from Teresa and Frankie's point of view, Don Chino might look like he's got like schizophrenia or something because he's gone from like almost killing him or having a fight over Teresa I'm being annoyed to like, how can I make sure you two stay together? But once I go, um, I'm going to be, you know, I, I, I'm not, if I say in just this room, I'm going to still probably not allow it. So I need to make sure that I do it somewhere where it's popular. So Don Chino doesn't reverse it. <laughs> and it's like, from yeah, their point it's... of view, they're like, what the frick is this guy on? Seriously. But they just accept it. <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're just okay with it. He's, he's, he's waving a gun around and if, you know, taking the leaping back and forth uh, away. So especially looking at it from Teresa's standpoint then, we'll yeah. say. Um, in one minute, she's cuddled up to Frankie with Don Gino, waving the gun around, screaming and shouting, fighting with Frankie. Um, the gun's going off. Very, very scary scenario. 
And then all of a sudden, Gina was like, oh, I'll tell you what. Do you two know each other? <laughs> Sod it. Let's sort that out, shall yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. It's like, and they're both like, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I didn't even, I didn't think of that, but you're spot on the money, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they, like you said, we go, I'll bring it back to the church. Um, they're stood there and, you know, um, Don, as Sam as Don Gino is like to the vicar, can you announce it? before it. and he says well they're not technically engaged yet and basically has to coerce this he doesn't really coerce the, the priest does he but like he basically insists obviously they, they all know because you can tell when um the priest starts announcing that frankie and um teresa are engaged everybody in the room they cut to the old ladies playing bingo and they're all doing the symbol of the, like the, the the cross like oh my god what's going on <laughs> and then but then the priest then the priest says oh yeah but it's with the blessing of don gino and they all go oh, yay and they start clapping like because they obviously again yeah. the fear of this don is very real but yeah it's um and they just stood there smiling like a couple of goofy teenagers and you know kind of happy ever end happy ever after nice little touch i will say is Sam as Don Chino says to Frankie, "You're out of the family business. You're no longer a hitman. You got to go do something else." I think mean, that, yeah, that was quite was a nice move. Get to this. Yeah, go on then. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm a little frustrated with that, and well, well, we'll get to it in a moment when we sort of yeah. give us give our scores and our um, oh boys and our cacas for the, for the for the episode. Um, but yeah, I, I got a little thought on that that I sort of want to uh, comment on, Benny. But okay, the uh, we end up with. Um, Al turning up, uh, and again, as 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 you brilliantly described earlier on, Benny, he's wearing this big coat and this fluffy hat because it's now freezing in the desert in the future. <laughs> I think he's just been to see from Russia with love, to be honest, in the cinema, and he's got he's got the Russian bug. Yeah, and um, or he likes Tetris, maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it, 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 Sam that says, "Well, why have I not leapt? I think I've done everything I'm supposed to do." And Al kind of nods towards the old lady who's not won a bingo game since the dawn of time. Um, and he says, well, that's what you basically that's what's going to happen. So Sam goes over, draws a number, whatever it was, 81 or whatever. And the old lady shouts bingo. And that's that. I like the fact that Al says bingo and sort of waves at uh, Sam and then uh, he leaps out and off. He's gone. Really. <laughs> yeah. So he was there the entire. This is another thing he was there. I mean, we've seen, obviously, in the previous episode, how the test was one. He was there to put the lyrics to Peggy Sue. We've just seen an episode where he, he had to be there to let an old little old lady win a game of bingo. Yeah. I don't know what world impact a woman playing bingo in Brooklyn somewhere in the 60s, um, <laughs> what kind of world thing. Oh, but then it's making people happy, I suppose, isn't it? Us, though? But it seems very... Yeah. You were there to make this lady win a game of bingo. Yeah, and in the in the process, you've caused one of the biggest blackouts in the United States history. <laughs> history yeah, you've damn near got a young couple killed. Yeah, um, <laughs> you, you've caused all sorts of problems when really this little old lady just had to win a game. Yeah, of bingo. bingo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. So the the logic of it sometimes is like, why are we? You you were here to? Hey, I'm not dissing it in a sense of yeah. Why shouldn't she win a game of bingo? But why are you here? See, I'm, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. Okay. Now, but I, I love Quantum Leap for Sam helping, the, for want of a better term, the little person. The, I don't yeah. like the leaps where he's, and we see it a lot in season five, where he's leaping into famous people and doing big important things in famous people's lives or he's involved in big history changing moments i like it when he's leaping into the little person and putting literally putting right what once went wrong 
Um, yeah. We have an episode coming up later in the series where he stops someone marrying an abuse, uh, stops the sister of who he leaps into marrying an abusive man. Yeah. Um, that's great because to that family, that's that's earth shattering stuff. Absolutely. So everyone outside of that, it's not a big deal in the scheme of the universe, but to that family, it's huge. That's what I really, really enjoy so about Sam... Quantum Leap. That saving the little person, doing the little things. However, this winning a game of bingo to me is so far down the road of doing a little thing. It... <laughs> well, Sam, as you've put it there, is very much the line. I'm going to paraphrase the line from Spider-Man, but Sam Beckett is your friendly neighborhood uh, time traveler, basically. I'm going to paraphrase from Spider-Man there, but um, the way you've put that, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't really get, but, you know, I suppose we could look at the positives here. He, it's in the same within the test, how the test was won, you know, he got a couple together that were are actually more compatible than the person that Sam was in and ultimately would have had will have a happier life together so that's a nice thing a game of bingo like you said is a bit more further down on the list um so but uh, you know the the lyrics to Peggy Sue oh, okay we could say that's down the list to a degree but that song I I mean they don't necessarily one of my favorite songs but I'm sure loads of people love it and got a lots of enjoyment from it. It's quite important as well for the time that when that sort of music was yeah um breaking through and, and changing the music industry that that particular record was quite substantial. Um I suppose you've got the other side of it in that perhaps he was there to get Teresa and Frankie together. He's done that but whilst he was in the bingo hall whoever is leaping him around just went ah you know what while you're there. Old lady, I washed you there. It's, you know, yeah, yeah. perhaps that was it, mate. I don't know, mate. Yeah, well, it's the similar equation of going, I'm going to the kitchen to grab a drink. I'll make you one while I'm there. And here you go. I wasn't going to make you one, but I'm while I'm here, I might as well do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And she had a big, big cheesy grin on her mush as she picked up her winnings. So good luck to the lady. It, it, made, her, it made her happy, didn't it? And then she started the franchise of Gala Bingo, I believe, and became really rich. Oh, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Benny, before we get to our cacas and our oh boys and our ratings and so on, um, I know before recording you said there wasn't really masses of info on the actors in this episode. Have you got anything at all for us? Yeah, I mean, there's a few. I mean, there isn't a great deal of uh, people uh, in a sense of I'm aware of. I'm not saying that these actors and actresses haven't done substantial things after but in terms of what I'm aware of and what I've seen. So, yeah, there's a few here. So, Teresa was... um, uh, She's done quite a lot of things, actually, to be fair, but I feel like it's very sort of low-end sort of stuff, although she did make an appearance in 06 in um, uh, Law & Order. She was Mrs. Carroll. I didn't ever watch Law & Order, so I'm guessing, because with Law & Order, they tend to have a lot of one-offs, don't they? Um, Yeah, it's very much a case of um, you have a couple of detectives looking into something and then the second half of the episode tends to be the court case for, for what they've investigated yeah, yeah, so you have a lot of extras involved you know the, the criminals the victims and so on and they made god knows how many series of it so yeah you're gonna get a lot of people popping up in that i suppose mate yeah yeah i mean she was uh she was in er as well in uh, 2001 she was dr alexander and now again a little bit before my time i remember it being on tv and it was a big popular show wasn't it er at the time so mm-hmm. yeah. to be in that's pretty good um she was in she was in matlock as well valerie walsh matlock's very popular with uh, <laughs> some of the older people <laughs> i know that so but nothing in there that i'm aware of in a sense of she's done a few like i by the looks of it I, I haven't seen them so i can't really judge 
I would say low budget type films. Yeah. Um, he was in a series called As the Wortle Turns. Oh, no, As the World Turns. Sorry, the logo on here is completely messed up. So it's As the World Turns, I beg your pardon. She was in that from 05 to 2010 as Iris. I don't, again, I'm not uh, not seeing it. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't know. The one actor that did jump out at me straight away was the. Do you remember the? We didn't really mention him in the sort of uh, the episode. Was um, he was Adriano, and he was the guy that was essentially Don Gino's like right hand man, the old fella. Yeah, I recognised him, and I think I know him from similar kind of mafia or, or bad guy roles, but I couldn't place exactly where from Benny. Well, I recognised him from my personal. Um, from my personal sort of like movie history of watching films over the years, um, he was the landlord in Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Uh, oh my goodness! Of course he was. So yeah, so he was in that. And like you said, I'm looking through his films and stuff. And this, I mean, again, I've not seen them, so I can't comment. But the, some of the films look very mafia esque or gangster sort of thing. So that would make he has that look about him, doesn't he? Really, where you would yeah. think he was a New York gangster. He was in actually the The Good Wife. Um, he was uh, Father Jim, and talking of gangster stuff, he was in Breaking Bad as well as Tio. Um, I'm not even going to attempt that surname, but he was in Breaking Bad at one point, which is obviously a very, very popular show. Um, yep, um, I've got some up in front of me here as well because I was trying to look at the guy as well. He was in Prodigal Son, which is a show that I I am enjoying at the moment. Okay. So maybe I recognise him from that. Ah, okay. Uh, um, but I mean... also Scarface as well, which is one of my favourite films. Um, he also made an appearance in Sex and the City. <laughs> it's, I'm just looking at his filmography here. Not as familiar, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, one little thing I will mention about him, and this is a video game trope, but it's uh, he was he did a voice in Manhunt. Now, Manhunt was quite a controversial game, and this game came out in 2003. Um, I think I can remember something about is it. Was it... Did it lead to... Um, I think it may actual have... Actual crimes being committed? Allegedly so, yes. I mean, you could say the same with um, Grand Theft Auto and stuff, man. Um, it's just... I'm not getting into the video game thing, but it, Manhunt was a very controversial game as well. You know, okay. I, I wouldn't say it's up there with Grand Theft Auto, but it was definitely one that... Uh, one that got mentioned quite a lot back in 03. Um, and I think at one point they tried to, like most games, I think I can't remember if it got banned or whether it it almost got banned, you know. Um, he was also in the Schwarzenegger film, End of Days, uh, for rightly or wrongly, <laughs> for better or worse. Okay. Uh, he was a pope, apparently, in that. So a bit more of the nicer guy, <laughs> probably. I don't remember that film, to be totally honest with you. Um, one, of the, um, one of the brothers, so the one that got married in... Um, uh, what's his name? Primo. Do you know the one that got married in yes. the episode to the sister? Um, one of my favourite films. I've not seen it for years, actually, but I didn't know he was in it. But he was in Face Off. Um, uh, okay. Diedrich Hassler. Um, I don't remember the character's name, so I'm gonna have to look back and um, give it a you know give it a watch. He was also in the film Eddie. Mur- you know the Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Was it Martin? Um, oh, what's his name? Damn it! In Bad Boys. Uh, oh, I know who you mean, yep. Not Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> <The> yeah <other>. <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. I should know what his name is. That's really bad. Uh, but he did. Uh, the, he was also in Life. He was one of the uh, sergeants in the prison um, as well. So again, somebody's done quite a lot of uh, different things. Then you've got these like low-budget films and these low-budget, uh, how should we say, um, erotica films that come out every now and again, or used to. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm not even looking into that. I can't be bothered. Um, 
he was also in the 2009 film My Sister's Keeper. was actually a really great film. I think I, I believe that was based on the true story. Um, for all those love uh, people that love their uh, romance films, he was also in The Notebook. Doesn't, I've never seen that. Doesn't say his character name, so I'm guessing he may have. He might not. He might be uncredited in uh, in that. But uh, yeah. So again, there wasn't too many in this um, that I that I recognised. Like, I mean, I'm people that are not being thingy, but people that are older than me might recognize him more for other stuff he did back in the 80s mm-hmm. a bit more so i you know because i'm you know i was born in the 80s so by the time i remember anything it's about 1990 to be fair yeah so I, I don't remember it but yeah there weren't too many this time around for me at least i'm sure anybody anybody wants to point anybody out um in the uh socials which we'll give out at the end of the episode uh definitely do it because it'd be interesting to see where some of these um actors have gone and done and maybe I do know them, and I've just not picked up on... They might be uncredited in some things, which they are sometimes, which I find a bit annoying. Um, and there's a few people that, like I said, I recognised, but uh, the uh, fella that's Don Gino's, like, number two guy, like, I was like, I reckon, he was like, he really stood out to me. But I, yeah. it's back in the day of the Ace Ventura when I was actually, like, liked Ace Ventura, I guess, when I was younger. That's the tropes, man. Yeah, brilliant stuff, as always, Benny, brilliant stuff. Um, I suppose now we get to our... Our pros and cons, our our positives and negatives, our good and bad. Um, yep. Let's have a look at uh, a, a couple of a couple of little caca moments, I guess. My only caca really um, is the um, the sort of how quickly they uh, adjust to Don the Don being nice <laughs> in that attic scene, which we've already <laughs> yes. spoke about. Obviously, I think. That's really my only caca from it, to be honest. Um, as I said at the top of the episode, it isn't as good as I remember it being, but by no means is it bad. But the caca moment is the uh, they sort of accept that Don Gino's gone from waving a gun to I'm a nice guy all of a sudden. <laughs> so that's my only real caca moment. I think that might be my first caca moment. I don't know. But uh, I haven't given many, in fairness, in this season. But yeah, them sort of accepting going from I'm going to teach you some lessons and probably end up killing you with my gun to how can I put you two together? <laughs> yeah. Went exactly. a little caca. Exactly. I totally agree with that, mate. Um, I've got something that I suppose gets fixed as the season or the show goes on, I think. But it's something that for the first time, I really wanted to know what happens after Sam goes. We hear from Al that Gino um, is effectively killed by another mobster the following oh, yeah. April. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but that, that that's you know one one character. We, we we're leaving with Frankie and Teresa getting a, the blessing to be married. We're making a big deal of what happens when Gino comes back in when Sam leaves out, um, and obviously Frankie's being told you're out of the family business. I want to know just a little recap from al oh yeah you know in in the next couple of years they did this they did that they opened a hairdressing salon together and they've now got five kids and 10 grandkids and a dog yeah. and a goldfish or whatever there was nothing <laughs> and a goldfish. there was absolutely nothing it was literally a case of oh yeah fix the bingo off we go then and, and that that bothered me a little bit do you know what i can see i can see that as well that's went a, a little caca that's your caca moment in building on that like Based on the way Don Gino is as a character, yes, he can't go back on his word because of people uh, witnessing it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that would drive that dude 
insane, I think, for a while. He would be absolutely on a on a warpath, wouldn't he? Yeah. But then maybe that's what leads to him getting knocked off in April. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know? But then, you know, again, oh, just it so be, many... It would be nice um, to know. I, I, I agree. Yeah, so many holes in the story. So many loose ends. Come on, Al. You've got to do better than this. I mean, they did that, didn't they, in the earlier part of the season, as we've talked about it, when he leapt from the Air Force test pilot to the baseball player. We heard what happened to the Stratton family, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we sometimes that does happen, but in this case, it didn't. And actually, him being knocked off and then him being out of what did they do? What was it like? You know, so it's a bit, it's a, it's a good, it's a good shout, actually, to be fair. Good cack, Amber. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to know, but we're never going to know, mate. We're never going to know. Um, <laughs> in that case, then do what the Frozen on... film says. Sorry, let, I was just say, in that case, then do what the Frozen film says, mate, and let it go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finishing on a positive then Benny um, have you got an oh boy for us um, again we've already discussed it in the episode really I mean you can never fault I mean Al's quite tame in this one if you think about it really mm-hmm. um, but I've already mentioned it um, but the whole Al trying to now I love the Valare song it's where you, the first time you hear of Scott Bakula sing really and he's actually pretty good so I'm not going to I'm not disputing that he's actually a pretty good singer but then I suppose it's what you get from an actor that was in theatre for many years beforehand, I guess. Um, But my favourite, my oh boy moment then is the whole scene in that um, when he goes and has his haircut and then the realisation that he shouldn't be in there and he's having his hair shampooed and stuff like that. And it's just like, you know, to us now, that's very natural. That's what you would do if you went to a hairdresser's, I guess. But in 65, he's realising all of He's realised, oh, I shouldn't be in here. And then the whole um, Don Chino turning up and the threatening with a tiny razor and the Italian um, translation from Al and the prova me is hilarious. I find that absolutely hilarious. Until you see, you need to see it, people. When he says prova me, it's like <laughs> he's, uh, Sam's like dumbstruck for a moment, and it's quite nice <laughs> to see Sam because as much as we see him confused and lost in many episodes generally he's quite a confident person isn't he so in this in this episode at least what we've seen so far um i would say he's very much out of the, out of his depth and you can see it from the moment he um leaps in almost especially when he's got to start um singing valare as well so but yeah that whole salon scene for me is my oh boy moment oh boy mine kind of links into that mate to be honest i, I got <laughs> i don't know i don't know what tickled me so much about this but I got a real pop out of as they're leaving the salon and they're talking to Frankie's dad. The, the three sons are talking to their dad and he says, you don't get your throat cut, Angelo's. And they all just give him a look as if to say, are you sure? And he's like, OK, well, yeah, that one time was business. <laughs> that just made me laugh. And I mean, literally sat there and I, I laughed out loud at it. So to me, that that oh, that was that time was business. That's my old boy for the week. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh boy! Oh, and now we get to that point in the show where we uh, have to give our ratings, I suppose. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first again, Benny? Or uh, did I go first last time? I can't remember. I'm not sure. Okay, I'll go first this time, and then next time for camera. Uh, what, what, what's coming up next? Color of Truth. So you can do you can do it next first next time. Um, no problem. To be fair, like as I know now, now don't get me wrong. As we've sat here and spoke about it, I feel a little bit better about the episodes. In fairness. Because I had, and again, it's not that it's a bad episode. It's even though the Kakar moment is them very much accepting this 
psychopath essentially um oh yeah now i'll let you be in love maybe he's i don't know <laughs> bipolar or something i don't know but it's just like why would you accept that so freely but you know it is what it is um but yeah when i was watching it again i think i had the the preconception of this is going to be really good um so i kind of built it up in my own head so i don't know how to really separate that from what i feel like overall the episode's good i enjoyed it it has its moments it's funny um and it does have the serious moments in as well but i'm i think i'm gonna go uh to be totally honest with you and i'm gonna be a bit nicer because that's what i seem to do i'm gonna go a three which is about halfway i was gonna go 2.5 but i think it deserves a three you know i was gonna go a bit when i when we were talking about this last week i in my head i'm i'm thinking it's gonna be a four so okay um, because of I think I had it. That's that's the problem. I think because I had a four in my head, and I'm thinking this can be really good. Even I thought maybe even a four point five. Now watching it back, it just wasn't as good as I remember it being. Which I it does. I don't know which whether that's fair because that's not really the episode's fault. That's my own hype. I guess that I wanted it was going to be good. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's right. You know, it is. It is our mindset going into these episodes really does, I think, dictate how we feel about them after we've watched them. Um, but you're right. All you can do is rate it how, how you see it. Um, I remember last week you were saying that the next three episodes are going to get a five out of me. One of them I, will I, get a five, I believe, five I believe either, so it's either going to be this one. In the next three episodes, I believe there's going to be, I would say a minimum of 4.5 out of you at some point in the next three episodes so whether it's this one or the next uh, the next two i don't know this one just just misses out on that 4.5 i've got this down as sort of three and a half four kind of territory i'm gonna go with a four because just because of how much that one line made me laugh and just the expression on the on the dad's face of well that time was business um i think this is possibly my favorite episode so far um as our six episodes in i think this is possibly it i really enjoyed right hand of god um we both know that i was not a fan of star crossed or how the test was won yeah um but i think that you're starting to see so i've, I've said it in previous episodes and I'll, I'll no doubt say it again as, as we progress through <clears> the show but season one was always a concern for me with how dated it may look being the oldest at the seasons obviously and the show kind of finding its feet before it gets into its its, its real stride in seasons two and three and so on yeah absolutely um, i feel this episode here it, it is finding its feet now you're seeing moments and uh, and um you're getting conversations and and certain actions in this episode that would not be a miss in future episodes so it's almost like it's laying the the groundwork for when the show really kind of starts to take off yeah no no do you know what that makes perfect sense and i was going to reveal to you what you scored one of the other episodes but you know i'm going to save that for our um after we finished watching all the episodes we'll go back and i'll uh, point out which ones you rated the best and see whether it corresponds with you know what you say really in a sense of you just said this is one of your favorites obviously um i'm looking at some of the scores here and it's quite interesting to be honest i haven't got them all written down yet so i will do those as we go through before we get to that last episode of the series um just to see and then obviously we'll we'll talk about it in overall but like just to see which one actually came out as the favorite in terms of score you know it's going to be interesting yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean uh, this one is a four um this one i'm going to give a four 
purely because, again, I, I enjoyed it. There were moments that weren't perfect, of course, but I enjoyed the episode throughout. And you got the little reference to the actual blackout in 65. Yeah. And I, I'm a big um, Godfather fan, Scarface and so on. So the kind of mafia hints in this episode as well it, it is is something that's at my street. So I, I enjoyed this. Um, interestingly enough, the actual TV ratings, this is the only episode in the first season that dropped below 10 million viewers. All the others did far better than this um and it was on at a semi-regular time slot by this stage okay so it's curious as to why i suppose just over halfway through it takes a massive drop to 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 below 10 million viewers but then the last three episodes of the season jump back up to the 15 18 14 million viewer mark i think it's it's odd how these things work it'd be interesting to see because i was going to say maybe it's a tribute to because i know the show went through a phase of it would be on different times Mm-hmm. Um, so that could attribute it to it, but you're saying it's not. So it maybe something was happening that day, a sporting event or something like that. Yeah, or, very true. You know, so uh, without looking back into the archive of what was going on that day, that could be it. Because I don't, because I don't think the the episode is good. Even though I've, mm-hmm. I think this might be the first time I've rated an episode lower than you. But like, it is a good episode. But like I said, mine's more attributed to I had it built up in my head. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, date-wise, it's it's got a regular slot. Time-wise, I'm unfamiliar with. I, I will look up that information for when we next speak, or potentially when at our end of season yeah, review. I guess it'd be quite interesting to have a little look at the ratings and how the times affected them. Yeah. No, that would be really interesting actually, because you've got to take into account. Obviously, this is in this era of TV watching. There is no streaming services, so you, mm-hmm. if you wanted to watch something and maybe the best you could do in your own home if you had it would be to uh, record the one channel with a vhs tape in our case um or um and watch the other program you wanted to watch then watch the other one after um you know it could be a case of like i said a sporting event was on that day or something else was going on that particular day that drew people away that they because if you missed it back in the day you missed it there was no unless you then years later if it was a decent series it might get a vhs release obviously decades later you get dvds and stuff now and all this in streaming services so back then like i'm saying you just if you missed it you missed it it was no yes and they did have summer reruns so it would be interesting to see what because what the reruns did for this show as well really to be honest While they were I'll look into se- all that and I'll, I'll bring that information to our yeah, sort of good. end of se- end of season uh, episode summary, I guess. Yeah. Um, as always, Benny, we have a little look at what's coming up next and first impressions just off the name of the episode, first memories and so on. Um, we see Sam leap into a black gentleman sat at a counter in a cafe in what looks like the fifties or the sixties. Um, the Colour of Truth, Season 1, Episode 7. A, a, I, an episode that gets a lot of love, I think. Um, what are your thoughts before before we watch it back next week? Well, in terms of the episode, like, I'm just going to, I'm just, as you were talking about it then, like, I remember, when I, I remember seeing this, so this maybe speak to my um, era of upbringing, maybe. And like now, it would be considered like the same, probably. I guess um, even when you were younger, I, I would assume um, it would be. I remember when he it cut to this scene of uh, this fella that he's jumped into, and you see the mirror image, and it's obviously a a, um, a black older gentleman. Um, 
like what I couldn't grasp as a younger kid was why are these other people behind, which were all white, looking at this fella like that? It made no sense mm. to me. I couldn't I couldn't grasp it like as a younger person, like why why are they looking at him like this? Like is he and I'm looking at him thinking, has he got some sort of deformity or something? Or is it because he's wearing a bow tie? I honestly, that's what I remember. And obviously, as you get into the episode, you realise that he's in the fifties and he's in very south in the fifties in America, um, and a lot of prejudice was going on. And you know, so but as a young kid, I, the one first thing I remember is trying to th- trying to figure out why these people were looking at him like that. I couldn't really grasp why. And obviously, as the episode goes on, as we find out, we find out it's because he's in the fifties and it's in essentially. Not, I wouldn't say it's Texas, but like. I don't know, like I don't know, Alabama maybe. I don't really know where he is. I can't remember to be honest. But um, I remember this. I don't see. I don't, I don't want to. After what just happened with Double Identity, I don't want to get too excited. But like I remember it being a very good episode. Yeah, that's kind of my memories. Um, it, this being, it, I mean, it's one of those episodes that when we first had the conversation about doing this show, Color of Truth was one of the ones that popped in my head. Yeah, absolutely, so, absolutely, because it tackles it tackles real life hard hitting topics um which i think some of the best episodes of quantum leap are when they do that um i've got good memories of this episode because of that so i think it's gonna be very very interesting next week when we um uh, we look into the color of truth season one episode seven of quantum leap um so then, Benny, before we depart today, could you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find your good self and also the waiting room show on some of the social medias? Yeah, well, the uh, myself, you can find me at Benny Mac, B-E-Triple-M-Y-M-A-C-K. Uh, as always, the waiting room is on Facebook, so look at Waiting Room Pod. And then on Instagram, you want to search for the waiting room pod underscore. And, uh, you know, we're, as we're going along here, We'll get some of your posts up in, uh, you know, your comments, and we, you know, especially we, we want your, we want your points of view on these episodes as well. You know, we want to hear your thoughts and memories because, as I said at the start of this one, my memory of watching this clip before actually seeing the episode was why are they looking at this gentleman like this? You know, so what mm. were your, what's your experiences with this show? Because I feel like the show is very, it's a cult classic as we well know, but it's, I think it's uh, very multi generational as well because there's a lot of people that like it that are younger than me, older than me. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's and that speaks volumes of the show in terms of like you said a minute ago, Sai, real real world problems and issues. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it, everyone should reach out to us um, on the Instagram, the Facebook, and the Twitter as well. We have at Waiting Room Pod underscore. You can reach us there. Let us know how you're finding the show. If you agree with our ratings, if you disagree, uh, any interaction at all is always welcome. You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next couple of episodes as we sort of come to the end of season one of Quantum Leap, and also I suppose the end of season one of the Waiting Room itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the show's really picking up steam now, Benny. This is this is going to be good, my friend. I hope so. I hope so. I hope everybody's enjoying it. Genuinely, that's the you know we're we're enjoying it. So hopefully that translates to um, you lovely people listening on uh, Radio Techers. And thank you for very much for them for hosting this show. Really, because let's face it, nothing against it, but it's a very sports orientated uh, uh, channel. Really, so for them to trust us with a a new show and a new way of doing things on the channel is is uh, it's very humbling, and I, I very much appreciate it. 
yeah, I, I, I want to echo those sentiments as well. I want to thank all the guys over at Radio Techers for all the help, support they've given they've given us. Um, just just brilliant, brilliant people. Brilliant content. Everyone should go and check out Radio Techers on all the various platforms they are available. Um, yeah, so that brings us to a close today, Benny. I will speak with you next week, my friend. Absolutely. It's time to leap out. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. Coming up next time on The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. If you've never seen Quantum Leap before, you don't understand the, the characters, the concept, you're, yeah. Not familiar, yeah, you're not familiar with the characters or anything like that, and you hear that come out of Al's mouth, you are like, whoa, yeah. what is that? <laughs> <laughs>